Guitar ruts are a very, very real thing. And sometimes gaining a new perspective on your guitar can be incredibly difficult. And this leads to a ton of frustration, and sometimes it even leads to giving up on the guitar as a whole. Which is why on today's episode, I'm gonna encourage you to actually lay down your guitar. Yes, you heard me correctly. Just lay down your guitar. You'll see what I mean on today's Acoustic Tuesday show. Hey, TAC family, welcome to episode 304 of the Acoustic Tuesday show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I will be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a truckload of new music, an epic rig rundown, and much, much more. But first, let me help you gain a new perspective on your acoustic guitar. I think one of the leading causes of guitar ruts is feeling like you're doing the same thing on your guitar. And one of the best ways to break out of that is to get a new perspective. And one of the best ways to get a new perspective on your acoustic guitar is to try a completely different instrument. Now you're thinking to yourself, Tom, I'm not really interested in trying a new instrument. I don't wanna learn about a new instrument. I don't wanna go shopping for a new instru instrument. It just doesn't interest me at all. Well, you don't have to because your acoustic guitar can be a completely different instrument. What I want to encourage you to do is to play your guitar lap style. Now, over the last few episodes of the Acoustic Tuesday show, I've shown off some uh, vintage acoustic square neck guitars. I've shown off some square neck dobro guitars or square neck resonator guitars, rather uh, commonly referred to as dobros. And this got me thinking, you know, one of the things that catapulted my understanding of playing the acoustic guitar in a standard fashion was playing the guitar, the guitar lap style. That being the case, I wanna share a few things that playing the guitar lap style with a slide will help you see. And I've got about, I'd say five of them. And the very first thing that playing guitar lap style will provide you is a new perspective on the instrument. You're looking at the fretboard in a completely different way. So maybe I should rephrase that and say, you're gaining a new perspective of the fretboard. Instead of looking at the fretboard kind of top down where you see the low E string, it's closest to you and the high E string is furthest away and you're not really getting a sense of connections or patterns, looking at the guitar flat laying in your lap gives you a whole new roadmap of the fretboard. All of a sudden, you're going to start making connections that you otherwise wouldn't have because of the way you're actually looking at the fretboard. So yes, just turning your guitar on its side and laying it in your lap will allow you to visualize the fretboard in a completely different way. And in doing so, when you go back to standard playing style, you'll have that knowledge, you'll have that alternate view of the fretboard. Furthermore, another advantage of playing lap style guitar is that oftentimes it uses open tunings. So you gain this wonderful view of an open tuning, open D, D, A, D, F sharp, A, D, low to high, or maybe bluegrass, G, G, B, D, G, B, D, low to high, or a standard open G, which would be D, G, D, G, B, D, low to high. It's really nice to look at these tunings in a way that's just laid out in front of you. Again, as opposed to standard playing where you almost have to kind of look around the fretboard and see what the heck is going on. Looking at it flat allows you to analyze these tunings. It allows you to see chords, see chord shapes, see scale shapes in a different way and connect them 
in ways that maybe were previously hidden to you. And in my opinion, looking at alternate tunings from that, uh, we'll call it a helicopter view, is one of the most revelatory experiences because you see chords, especially if you're a music theory geek, you can see the first, the third, and the fifth of the chord, and you can make all these adjustments that will further inform your standard acoustic guitar playing, even in standard tuning. That doesn't mean you can't take some of those alternate tunings into your standard way of playing. So, so far we have a new perspective of the fretboard. We have open tunings. Another thing that lap style playing will provide you is a better understanding, a better technical knowledge and comprehension of finger picking. You know, whenever I play dobro in a bluegrass band, or if I play just a solo composed piece on one of those vintage uh, square neck acoustic guitars, I notice that my finger picking game gets ramped up. Because of the way I'm playing, and again, looking at the strings top down, I can see my finger picking fingers. I can see patterns. I can see hangups that it has, that they have. And furthermore, I take that information when I go playing guitar, when I go play guitar in a standard way. So being able to look at your picking hand top down is incredibly informative. It, it just illuminates uh, the, the successes you have and also some of the hangups that you might have as well. Again, it's all a matter of perspective. I'm actually talking about the visual perspective of the guitar. Next up, we have ear training. And this is an enormous one and one of the biggest benefits of lap style playing. Now, when I talk about lap style playing, I'm talking about looking at the, looking at the guitar top down, it's laying flat in your lap, playing it with finger picks and a slide bar. That's why I say ear training is a huge, huge benefit of lap style playing. You know, when you're playing guitar standard, you're fretting chords and you're not really thinking about how those individual notes sound. You're thinking about, I put my finger on the first fret of the B and I put my finger on the second fret of the D and the third fret of the A and I make a C chord and it all sounds good. When you play lap style, the frets on the fingerboard are there simply as a visual reference. Your bar, the slide, is the movable fret. So you have the opportunity to be very, very much out of tune. So playing lap style with a slide allows you to hear the note, hear when it's in tune, hear when it's out of tune. Something that is invaluable as a musician, as a guitar player, when you're playing with others. This is a skill that you can call upon at any given point in time and really it helps you out a ton. And I think if I was to say one main benefit of playing lap style guitar would be that ear training. Because I hear things differently now because of that, that slide. It's a more fluid note. You don't have a distinct stop point and start point like you do with actual frets. Again, you're moving the fret so you can hit some real doozers, some slightly flat notes that sound ugh. You can slide past a note, it sounds a little bit too sharp, it sounds like ugh, what's going on? So having that slide bar and playing guitar lap style gives you the perspective to see the frets but also hear whether you're in tune or not. It's really amazing. And even if, even if this is something that is completely foreign to you, I'm gonna share some things coming up that will help you get started on this today. You don't have to get a new instrument. You just have to get a couple of accessories and you'll be well on your way to looking at the guitar completely different. And even if you only do it as a simple experiment, it will inform the regular way that you do play guitar. And finally, one of the things that lap style guitar provides is innovation through limitation. 
One of the coolest things, one of the coolest phenomenon, phenomenons, phenomenas, phenomena, do, 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 do. You get the idea. One of the coolest things that I've noticed is that playing lap style guitar offers some interesting open doors for creativity, but conversely, it has some limitations as well. You're playing with a straight slide bar. You can't manipulate strings in different areas unless you angle the bar, but you're kind of dealing with a very straight uh, geometry, if you will. That being the case, that's a huge limitation to slide playing or, or lap style playing. Because of those limitations, you start looking at things differently. Instead of playing a minor chord, uh, all strumming at once, you might have to arpeggiate it. So those, those limitations actually provide innovation and get you thinking in a different way. And again, you take that information to the regular way that you play guitar. Now, I wanted this to be a discussion to kind of say, hey, playing lap style is really cool. I personally love it, so selfishly I wanted to do this episode, but furthermore, it really provides interesting insight into the guitar. And again, just that visual perspective shift can cause some huge connections that you otherwise would not have seen. So kind of a, a fun little conversational rundown of the benefits of lap style playing. And I thought it was necessary because I have featured quite a few lap style guitars in recent episodes. Now you might be thinking, okay, I'm not gonna go get a vintage square neck right now. I'm not gonna get a, a, a bluegrass resonator guitar or square neck resonator guitar. Um, I'm not in the market, it's just not on my radar. But this seems interesting to me. I wanna try this out. Well, it's, it's actually quite easy to do. Uh, all you have to do, you have to get three things. Number one, you have to get something called a nut extender. Let's get out of the gutter here. Okay, it's called a nut extender. I believe Shub makes them, I think Golden Gate makes them. Uh, I wanna say Dunlop maybe makes them. Uh, the one that I really like is I think made by Golden Gate and it uh, fits over the nut of your acoustic guitar. So all you have to do is detune the strings, slide this little um, metal piece over the existing nut of your guitar and it raises the strings off the fretboard. So you get good enough clearance so you can play with a slide bar. Which brings me to the next thing that you will need and that is a slide bar. My favorite budget lap style slide bar is the Dunlop Lap Dog. I believe it's about $30. It's a chrome plated steel bar fits in your hand beautifully. I know Shub makes some steel bars. I don't necessarily love those, but it's an option. And then my absolute favorite is a Shearhorn stainless steel tone bar, but that's like, um, I think that's upwards of $100 now. So it's, it's very expensive if you're just experimenting. If you're just experimenting, I would stick with that Dunlop Lapdog tone bar. Again, it's about $30. So you need that nut extender, the Dunlop Lapdog tone bar. And if you want, this last one is kind of a, um, you don't have to have it, but it'd be nice is a, a set of finger picks. I favor the Dunlop Zuki's finger picks along with the Pro Pick split band brass finger picks. So kind of a quick little starter pack if you wanna start dabbling with lap style guitar. And when I say dabble, I really should have used the word experimenting because all you're doing is setting up your guitar in a different way to again, gain that different perspective, that different visual perspective that again, allows you to make some pretty awesome connections. So uh, in the comments, below, let me know. What do you think about this? Was this an, an interesting talk that got you inspired to go give this a try? Is this something you plan on trying uh, here soon? Uh, let me know in the comments below. And while you're typing, let me go ahead and uh, dig right into some acoustic news you can use. And first up, is a new song from Will McNichol. Uh, Will McNichol is one of my favorite finger, finger style guitar players. Uh, he has a knack for these just beautiful flowing compositions that conjure up 
so much emotion. And I always find that fascinating. You know, when somebody's able to play an instrumental piece that projects and emotes so much, I think that's just, um, I think, I think it's pure magic. And I think Will's new song does just that. It was released on August 4th. It is named The Botanist, and here it is. something for resonator guitar fans or soon to be resonator guitar fans or folks that want to be resonator guitar fans but just don't know enough about the instruments at all. Matt Ike from Mule Resonator Guitars to the rescue. He just posted a video, what the heck is a resonator guitar? And there's a lot that goes into a resonator guitar. There's different types, there's different styles, and Matt gives you the full rundown. This video is about six minutes long. We're not gonna look at the whole thing. We're just gonna look at a quick little chunk, but if you want a nice condensed Cliff's Notes version of what the heck a resonator guitar is, this is a video for you. Let's take a quick look at a small portion of this video. So there's three types of resonator guitars. Remember, resonator is the family of guitars and you have three types underneath it. So first we have a single cone. This is a single cone, um, also known as a biscuit bridge resonator because it kind of looks like a biscuit. Goes on top, strings go over the saddle, that's what transmits the energy into the guitar. It's got a different design, has a different sound to it. A little bit more attack. Um, the Dobro cone or spider bridge resonator is like a single cone, but it's flipped upside down. And I don't have one of those bridges, but the bridge looks kind of like a spider. It's got these legs that go across the cone and touch on the outside with a saddle that's fit into the bridge in the middle. And that gives uh, Dobros that uh, thicker, more mid-rangey type sound for Dobro playing. And then we have the tricone. This is a tricone inside of a guitar. You're gonna have three of those cones, hence the name. And those three cones are connected by the T-Bridge, because we're all about very obvious names in the resonator world. So you have three cones connected to each of those arms, and then the saddle goes in the middle there. And this is one of our new machined T-Bridges. You get the sneak peek. There's going to be more on this next week, because this is a big deal. Huge thanks to Matt for making that video, and on a personal note, I just want to thank Matt for making the trip to Montana to come see Charlie Parr play. Uh, it was really cool to have Matt here in Montana. We had a chance to hang out. We hung out like 
three days and it was just so much fun so many laughs so many stories it was really incredible uh, on that note i want to thank charlie parr for also coming out to montana to play a show uh, asking me to open the show for him uh, asking me to play along with him at his show i am truly truly grateful and uh, that weekend hanging with matt from mule hanging with charlie was um, a top peak moment in my life just a a, a true a moment of gratitude I wanted to share with the Acoustic Tuesday viewing audience. And if Charlie and uh, Matt happen to be watching, again, thank you so much. I'm very grateful uh, that you two are in my life. Uh, moving right along, let's go ahead and see what the TAC family is working on today. Every single week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family rotates through the five essential skills that help you learn songs fast. Monday, there's a technique challenge. Tuesday's a guitar lick challenge. Wednesday's an improvisation challenge. Thursday's a rhythm guitar challenge. Friday's a chord trans transition challenge. Today is Tuesday. They are working on a guitar lick and here it is. Your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge is named so much more because you'll see that although it looks simple, it provides opportunity to do so much more. It's actually something that is likely very familiar to you. It involves the Neil Young chord. It's from the Neil Young song, Old Man. And, um, I think it's something that every guitar player, every acoustic guitar player should learn to play for a very specific reason. A reason I'll explain to you here in a moment, but first, let me go ahead and play the guitar lick challenge. Yes, it's the intro to Old Man. It's something that I find really fun and almost hypnotic to play because it uses this weird D minor nine chord. It's like a, uh, it's a real heartstring puller. And it's the same shape when you go back down to the D with the exception of you're lowering, lowering your middle finger down. So it's really easy to play, but also really fun and rewarding kind of a, a perfect storm, if you will. Now, before I dig into why this is such an important thing and why it does offer so much more, TAC fam, to learn this note for note, please log in. This is your daily challenge. Click on start challenge. That'll take you to the teaching video. Once you're through with that, you can move to the play along video, adjust it to a speed that's comfortable for you. And if you wanna pull up that tab right alongside the video, you can do that. Just click on that tab icon in the lower right-hand corner. Okay, so this lick, what's the musical context? Well, for this particular lick, the musical context is Old Man. I'm pretty sure you can't play any piece of this outside of Old Man and have it be digested easily by the listener without them saying, hey, that's that Neil Young song. But I guess actually you can. Let me, let me backtrack a little bit. There's two things I wanna go over here. And the first is making the song work for you instead of you working for the song. Sounds a little bit weird, but here's the deal. You know, we're all at different levels on our guitar journey. That being the case, playing something like this might be out of your realm right now. It just might not be within your reach, and that's totally fine. That doesn't mean you can't play this. It means you have to adjust it to fit where you are right now. So instead of that single string picking, maybe you just turn it into strumming.
right? That's an option for you. Maybe you just want to add a little bit of spice, but nothing crazy. Add that hammer on. Basically, the point I'm trying to make here is that so often we hear the recording, we look up the tab, and we want to play it exactly as it's written. And, and believe me, I do too. But a lot of times, there's multiple steps involved into getting that into getting to that end product. That being the case, don't be fearful of adjusting the song to work to where you're at or to work for you where you're at. Um, it's not cheating, it's not taking shortcuts, it's quite simply adapting it so that you can play it now and that maybe the next go around, next time you run into the song or next time you sit down to work on it, you can add another layer of complexity, okay? It's just quite simply taking baby steps. What's that uh, Bill Murray movie? What about Bob? It's all about baby steps, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing that I think this lick uh, really does a great job of portraying is how powerful chord modifications are. Now, chord modifications, for, for the sake of definition, or at least the definition I use, is taking a chord, holding it down, and then really just messing with your fingers to find other cool sounds. Okay, very not a music theory definition, but something that makes me remember what a chord modification is, right? So holding down a D chord, right? Lift up your middle finger. Lower it back down. Lower your pinky to the third fret of the high E. Lift it back up. Lift up your index finger off the G string. Right, there's all sorts of modifications, not just limited to that D chord. You could do it with a C chord. G chord. Right, these chord modifications really open up a whole different tonal palette and you don't have to do much to do them. You hold the chord down and start moving your fingers. See what's available to you. Are all the notes gonna sound good? No, but how will you know if you don't try, right? So you don't even have to really, quote unquote, know what you're doing. You can just start messing with the chord and figuring it out, right? Figuring out what sounds good for you. And I think Neil Young was a master at this. And in fact, I'll cite pretty much every folk acoustic guitar act of the the 70s you know these chord modifications were really really familiar really really common i mean you even see it up here when he does the quote unquote neil young chord he's using that subtle hammer on we can steal that and apply it to other chords Again, I'm just using the D shape as an example, but this, this manifests itself in all of the different open chord shapes. In fact, it's something I would encourage you to try uh, today or the next time you sit down to play your guitar. Grab a chord and just see what's available. See what's around and see how cool it sounds. Or if it doesn't sound cool, quite simply don't do it again. Uh, which brings up an important point. I think there's this, we, we get in our own way a lot. I get in my own way a lot. And chances are, well, I'm a guitar geek, you're a guitar geek, you may get in your own way a lot. I think a lot of times we, we say the phrase, uh, I'm not good enough for that, or I don't, I don't necessarily have those skills, so I can't do that yet, or I don't know what the inner workings are of it, so I shouldn't even try it if I don't know what I'm doing. Not really true. That's kind of a, a cart before the horse situation. If you waited to know what you're doing to play, nobody would ever play because you can't learn without making mistakes. 
Conversely, if you just dive in and start doing stuff, those mistakes, those successes will lead you to those lessons, will lead you to those important little nuggets that will allow you to continue to progress, will allow you to continue to grow as a guitar player. So instead of waiting to know everything, dive in. Because by diving in, you'll make the mistakes, you'll have the successes, and ultimately you will grow and accumulate knowledge instead of sitting on the sidelines and waiting for it to magically come to you. Something that I wish uh, you know, young Tony would have known when, when uh, I was first getting into guitar, but I'm glad I have that perspective now, and I hope that me sharing that perspective well, helps you out on your guitar journey. Go ahead and take a risk. It's really fun. And what's the worst thing that can happen? It sounds crummy. It sounds crummy. Don't do it again. On to your second dose of acoustic news you can use. And I have to say, there's been a lot of rumblings about Yamaha guitars in the bluegrass world. Now, this is something that comes as a bit of a shock to me, and I think has come as a, a bit of a shock to quite a few people. But I've seen Yamaha guitars make these absolutely stellar dreadnoughts that are literal cannons that find themselves very much at home in the bluegrass world. I've seen Jake Eddy play one of these Yamaha guitars. I've seen Jordan Tice play one of these Yamaha guitars. I've seen Trey Hensley with his hands on one of these Yamaha handcrafted dreadnoughts. They sound darn amazing. And what's even more amazing is when you get these players together. Now, with the exception of Trey here, uh, Jake Eddy and Jordan Tice got together to, to pick some tunes. And one of the tunes they played is a, a classic tune, Orphan Annie, one of my favorite tunes. And they just so happened to play these Yamaha guitars when they recorded this song. You've gotta see it, you've gotta hear these guitars, you've gotta hear these players interact. It is a pure treat. Here's Jake Eddy and Jordan Tice. Now a podcast recommendation for you. Inside the Musician's Brain with Chris Pandolfi. That name may ring a bell because Chris was on my list of must-hear banjo players, a show that I did uh, quite a few episodes back. And his most recent guest, Allison Brown, was also on the must-hear banjo players list. I love this podcast because Chris is just an awesome interviewer. He seems to ask these questions that pull out some really awesome perspective from the guests that he's interviewing and some really juicy, dare I say, philosophical nuggets. And the Allison Brown interview was no exception. Here's a quick little excerpt from that interview. You know, it was pretty much in your face all the time because any time I played anywhere, I was pretty much guaranteed somebody would come up to me and say, you sure do pick good for a girl. So it was impossible not to be aware of the fact that you were an anomaly. My feeling was always, you know, just to try to be 
as good as I could be on the banjo and that if I were, could be really good, then I would have an opportunity to do what I wanted to with it. I mean, from the time I was banjo player of the year to the time Molly Tuttle became guitar player of the year and there were five women who had won like their respective instruments, it took 27 years, wow. <laughs> which is crazy that you can't underestimate the value and importance of, you know, for young people coming up playing, being able to see somebody that looks like them doing what they want to do. And lastly, an epic rig rundown. Yes, I have to be honest, I love Premier Guitars Rig Rundown series. Essentially, somebody goes to visit an artist on tour, and then that artist takes you through their entire rig, what they use to play live. Well, the most recent artist that they had was Billy Strings, and you wanna talk about a monster rig. Yes, he's got a ton of acoustic guitars on tour, but he also has a ton of pedals and an interesting perspective on how he uses those things to put on the incredible shows that he does. We're gonna look at a small portion of this rig rundown. Uh, warning, the entire rig rundown is about, it's almost an hour and a half long. And I have loved watching every second of it. It's really cool to get insight as to, or insight rather on why Billy chooses the certain guitars that he does, why he chooses certain pedals that he does. Uh, it's really, really cool. It's like, it's really nice to be kind of a, a fly on the wall watching Billy talk about his rig to the interviewer whose name is escaping me right now. Sorry about that. Anyways, let's look at a quick clip from so, yeah, this rig rundown. What I have here is, well, first of all, this is my Thompson. Gosh, when did I get this thing? 2016, I think. Maybe 2015, 2016. I don't know, maybe. I really am not good with numbers or years and memory. But I got, got, got real good memory. It's just short. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's not 10 years old yet. So, but it's been through hell with me and... Sure. This guitar sounds the best to me plugged in with the pickup. And this pickup's been in here since I got it. And it just, I've tried other guitars. I have plenty of guitars with, with the K and K. And I will run it through the Grace DI just the same. But this guitar in particular, for a pickup, it sounds good. Yeah. Which is hard to do, you know, anyone that's trying to mic. An acoustic, it's hard to get an acoustic to sound like an acoustic a lot of times, you know? Yeah, so I really like the K&K &K on this guitar, and like I said, I've, I've tried other guitars, and every time I come back to this one, because it's Old Faithful. It's get just... That. Home? And, and yeah. the neck, something about the neck is just really good for me. But yeah, um, I guess since I've seen you guys, you know, it's the same K&K &K pickup, but I, I don't know if I had this going on last time. So. And also, this might be new. I could be wrong, but what's that, yeah. what's that switch do? So I have the K&K &K transducers here under the bridge. And then I also have this K&K &K magnetic pickup. And the reason for that, and this ugly thing that most people hate, get a lot of hate mail about it. Um, uh, so I'll run it through an amp, you know. But with this pickup, it won't. It sounds uh, really bad. And when the PA is on, it will just feed back, back immediately. Yeah. So I spent a couple years trying to figure out how to 
you know, because I played metal and when I was a teenager and stuff. And there's a part of my guitar playing that I can't access when I'm just, you know, flat picking. Sure. So I pretty much, my whole thing is I just want to be able to access all of it. Like, I'm not just trying to play bluegrass. I'm not just trying to play one thing or another. I just like a lot of different music and I like the stuff that I grew up hearing. And I'd like to be able to soar into a rock and roll, you know, more like classic rock Hendrix style sure. solo or something, or like play Black Mountain Rag. And on those gear-infused notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for this week. Uh, you'll notice that I've had a different coffee mug because uh, since our youngest son, Grayson, was born, uh, I haven't had a lot of sleep. So I've opted for, instead of a coffee mug, I've opted for the coffee thermos, uh, conjuring up my dad. Uh, anyways, this provides enough fuel for me to get through the day. Uh, don't really know why I wanted to share that with you, but... I just thought maybe you thought it was odd I was using this tiny little mug. Uh, anyways, uh, again, on those gear-infused notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, let's take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, I'll be showing you the three bourgeois guitars from my guitar arsenal. They are all very different, and I cannot wait for you to see them, get the specs, and really hear why I chose each of them to be a part of my guitar arsenal. That's coming up next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I let you go for today, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers to you, be nice, and play guitar. <laughs>